before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Throw Deep Publishing. Throw Deep Publishing is adding new content every single month, including the kind of in-depth clinic talks you won't get anywhere else. This month features two new releases. First, Coach Tyler Maness gives us an almost six-hour clinic talk on the tight 3-4 defense. Coach Maness is the defensive coordinator at Southwest Florida Christian Academy and has simplified the Dave Aranda defensive system for the high school level. Finally, Coach Jacob Gill talks for over six hours on the three-safety defensive scheme that's taking the game by storm. Coach Gill is the defensive coordinator of the defending Arkansas State champion Shiloh Christian Saints, and he goes into incredible depth and detail about the process of moving from the, a base 4-2-5 and adding a three-down, three-safety structure to the playbook without adding too much extra teaching. You'll find all this and more at throwdeeppublishing.com. Use the promo code PODCAST20 to get 20% off. That's PODCAST20, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-2-0 to get 20% off. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Hey guys, today I've got with me Coach Adam Kirby. Coach Kirby is currently the offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Sulphur High School in Louisiana, uh, where this past season he had four all-district offensive linemen and three all-South Louisiana offensive linemen. Before taking the job at Sulphur, he was the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Southwestern College in Kansas, where he produced seven all-conference offensive linemen, one all-first-team All-American, and one Remington Award winner. Before his time at Southwestern, he was at McMurray University coaching the offensive line in Texas, where he produced three All-Americans and uh, spent some time coaching uh, at a couple other schools and, and spent some time, spent one year as a high school head coach, I believe, too, looking at your bio. So, uh, Coach Kirby, pleasure to have you, man. Hope all is well. How you doing? Oh, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm fired up to be on this, man. So, awesome. I know we've been involved with hog football chat for a while and everything. So, to be on the podcast, man, I feel like I've hit the big time. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here because it's – uh. It's always a good time talking to you, man. You and I have had a lot of conversations over text and a few times at the, the AFCA. So it's always a it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you, my man. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. For sure. So first question I've got for you. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how the offensive line um, was a, a part of the, some of the successful, you know, the more successful teams that you've had, how, how they played a big role for that. Man, I'll tell you what, every great offensive line I've coached and um, – you know, I think great is in the eye of the beholder. I really do. You know, those adjectives that we use are great offensive line and everything. I mean, you know, as well as I do, being a career O-line guy, that mm -hmm. it's it's a struggle in that room. You know, I mean, put, putting the pieces of the puzzle together and, and um, you know, there's different personalities, different strength sets. So, but I, I do believe no matter what level I've been at, high school, NAIA, D2, D3, um, they they played together and they had fun each, with each other. I mean, it right. really was a family uh, atmosphere. You walk in that meeting room or, um, you know, they had each other's back on the practice field, you know, type. If, if you got into it with a D line, you were going to take on all, you know, five of them or 12 of them, depending on how big the brawl was, you know, with right. the backups. But, um, I mean, to this day, coach, you know, as I sit here in, in year 10 of my career, some of my best friends are my former players. And it's because, 
you know, we bought into that. It's us against the world, you know. Right. And I think to have any success coaching the position or playing it, you have to put your ego aside. You're going to get all the blame. <laughs> um, you're going to get, you know, a little bit of credit. You know, if you work for a good head coach, yeah. uh, they're, they're going to say, hey, our O-line moved them around. But what if are they, most if, Yeah, if they understand the position. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, if they understand the position, on the flip side of that, there's nothing worse than working for a head coach that thinks they understand the position. <laughs> like, there's nothing worse than that. So, right. And I've had, you know, both of those, um, as, as probably most everybody has. But I really think no matter what level it's at, it's it's really those guys create a culture of it's us against the world. We got each other's backs. We don't need the credit. Let's go do our job and go home. And I really believe, you know, my wife said it before to some of our guys, like on family nights and everything, when we have the old line over, it's like, they're really building the foundation to be a good husband, to be a good father, to be a right. good employee. Cause nobody's going to pat me on the back for going to work and, and earning the paycheck. Like, I mean, you know, so I think no matter where I've been at it, the good old linemen and the good units have always embraced that mindset. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, as well as I know, I mean, that's, that's our role, but, but there's nothing better. I mean, it's like coaching the offensive line is like, it's like pizza kind of, you know, even the bad offensive line rooms are still pretty good. You know, it's still, it's still a fun time and it's still such an awesome, you know, building those relationships like you talked about and, and having those, that camaraderie where, you know, even if you're, even if your guys aren't the, that very that good or, 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 you know, you're struggling a bit, that, that room is still, is still pretty fun and still pretty awesome to be in every day. Oh, I'll, I'll take a, I say a bad O-line room, meaning, you know, maybe we didn't play well and, or whatever, or maybe we don't have the talent, but I'll take a, an offensive line room over any other room because I right. mean, these guys, every, every good one I've ever coached wants to be coached. You know, oh, those absolutely. skill guys, you know, I've been a coordinator half my career now. So dealing with the skill guys, you know, for an extended period of time, some of them want to be coached, but you're going to get a lot more eye rolls or, you know, yeah, kind of nodding the head off or whatever. I mean, but with the O-line, a lot of the time, man, they're locked in, ready to go. And so, you know, I made a deal with myself. I coached the quarterbacks for one, my first year here at Sulphur. And um, I said, I'd never do it again. <laughs> I, I missed, I missed every part of the O-line. I missed yeah the meeting room. I missed the in-game adjustments. I, you know, it's just, I, I'll get out of coaching before I coach another position. I learned that last year. So, yeah, that, so that actually kind of brings me to my first question was going from just a position coach, just an offensive line coach to a coordinator. Um, what, you know, what, what do you remember most about that? And what sort of struggles do you remember having as you made that transition from, um, you know, just a position guy to being now, you know, you're in charge of the offense. What, what, you know, what can you remember kind of being the things that you sort of said, Oh, this is, you know, this is a little more different than I thought it would be. Sure. You know, first in answering that question, I have to give a lot of credit to Brad Griffin, who's the head coach still at Southwestern college. Um, you know, he brought me in and, and gave me the OC title. And um, that first year he'd always been a defensive guy and he worked with me on that side of the ball. Um, it was a late hire, um, like June, I believe. Um, his guy had left and, mm -hmm. and uh, brought me in. So we worked together. He said, let's get through this year. 
you know, throw some ideas on the table. We were going to be young. We knew that. So that was the time in our minds to, to do it, you know, to try it. Right. And um, after that 16 season, he went back to defense and really left me alone and allowed me to grow, allowed me to make mistakes, allowed me to find what worked, um, you know, and things like that. So before I really say anything, I have to give a lot of credit to Brad because um, without him, I mean, I wouldn't be in the position I'm, I'm in right now, you right. know, being confident in what we do on offense and how we do it. Um, he allowed me to make those mistakes and allowed me to grow. So um, I, I always thought being the offensive line coach and the coordinator would be the perfect marriage for me because um, as we've mentioned, there's really nothing worse than working for a guy that thinks they understand it up front and they don't have any idea, right. you know, of the <laughs> right. adjustments and everything. So I believe in running the football and protecting the quarterback. I mean, and that's the only two jobs we have. We've got to be able to run the football and we've got to be able to protect the quarterback. So I always felt like if I could be in control of that as a coordinator, um, it'd be easier for me. Um, and, and it was, you know, we were able, I was able to do some things and I didn't answer to anybody. If I wanted to try something, you know, crazy up front, you know, a technique I learned or something, nobody's going to be asking me what the hell I was doing. I, I was just be able to do it. Right. Um, and then hiring good coaches, you know, my weak point, is, you know, secondary coverages, all that, because I've never, I've never coached skill positions. I did it the one semester, like I said, my first year here at Sulphur. And, but you come up as a young coach, 21, 22, 23 years old, you're coaching the O-line. That's what you focus on. So I knew I had to hire good people at the skill positions that would kind of help me, you know, hey, these are good coverage beaters to where really all I had to do was go call it. Um, I knew from our experience at some other places going up tempo was, was good for us. And, um, I was just kind of thought if you could get those guys up front in good shape, tempo would be easy. Like if you could make Indy the hardest part of practice, right. Fine in the game. So we just kind of kept chipping at it and chipping at it. And, um, you know, I remember this is a true story. The first game of 2016, um, I've, I'd never been a coordinator, um, as far as calling everything, sure. you know, and we go play Missouri state in a money game and we pull up to Springfield and we're an NAIA program and we're playing a division one and everything else. Well, the first drive coach, we go on like a 12 play drive. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, how hard is this? Like, I mean, <laughs> Oh my God, I'm like playing Madden, you know, and you start yeah. thinking you're pretty good. Well, then you got to start making adjustments and, and everything. And you don't really know what you're looking at. You're just trying to throw stuff on the wall and hope it sticks. Right. But, um, I remember after the game, I think we had like 116 yards of total offense and we didn't score. And I'm thinking like, I will never, get another job in my career <laughs> and one of the players he was actually a defensive player he stood up he's like hey i want to this post-game meeting he goes hey i want to give a shout out to coach kirby in the offense and i'm like oh god he goes they got over 100 yards of offense and it took us four games to do that last year and we just did it against a division one team wow and i was like all right cool we got it figured out we're good <laughs> you right. know but I, I think it was a process honestly because there's still things coach that, you know, I've been coordinating now five years and um, I'm still asking people, how do you ID safeties or coverage? Sure. You know, but 
I don't know as the O-line coach you ever stopped growing, but I wouldn't have it another way because I'd much rather learn about the four on the back end. Right. And, you know, have somebody that doesn't understand the five on the front end. Right. Oh, so. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you know, you and I kind of share brain cells in that way because I'm, I'm always, I'm constantly texting friends, you know, or, or messaging them via social media and asking them about that, you know, DB play, you know, like what, what do you, you know, what are you, t- like, I was actually just talking to a coach last night asking him, you know, like, how do you, how would you line up to this formation? And what are you telling your guys? And what if I do this? And and what if, what if now, what if this happens? And and most of it was geared towards that, you know, the back half, the back four, because it's, you know, as well as I know, as a coordinator, that the, the, the moment you can start understanding that and how to manipulate those guys, you're good. You're, you're, you've got it made, you know, because you you know enough about the offensive line up front like you said you know coaching it for so long obviously that you know what you can do to to mess with the defensive front seven now as a coordinator if you know what you can do to mess with the front the the back the back half you're even you know you're 10 times more dangerous a hundred percent and that's you know for me i never will forget um i was talking to a buddy of mine and um they, he was coaching at the time in an air raid system as an O-line guy and he hated it because, you know, I mean, we all have seen the Mike Leach and all that. So we know what they do, but he said, it's so easy for a defense to pin their ears back and just blitz. Right. And we don't have answers because we're just going to keep throwing the football. And I, that like coach, I was 21 years old. We were sitting in a pizza parlor in, in Tyler, Texas. Mm-hmm. And like, I still remember that conversation. And I remember when I got the OC job going, okay, well, don't throw it 40 times a game. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, just little things like that. Like, okay, just like picking up on that. Like, okay, so we want to run the football. We want to establish the line of scrimmage. We want to establish ourselves as a physical brand. Okay, now that we've done that, or now that we're going to hang our hat on, we're going to run power counter and inside zone. Okay. Right. Now, how do I get, how do I tag an RPO to that? How do I do this? Okay, well, they've only got four on the back end like we're talking about. So who can we manipulate now that we know we're going to run those four base plays up front? Right. So, you know, over time, I think – I don't want to say it gets easier because defenses are evolving, but um, I just remember so many mistakes I made that first year. Like, sure, it was just – Coach, like it was an accomplishment. Like I felt so good about myself, and I'm not even embarrassed to say it. Like some people may listen to this and go, that guy's a loser. That's, that's fine, but – like we went over 300 or 400 yards uh, like my second or third game. And I like, it was like this huge accomplishment because we scored 35 points and went over 400 yards. And in my mind, like that's how it should look every week. Right. So how do we do that? Like I thought that, you know, you don't want to say you've arrived, but that was a big accomplishment for you, for me to give me some confidence as a play caller. Right. So it, it, I think it was tough, but I wouldn't trade that 16 season for anything. Cause I, I learned so much. And, uh, Again, 17, come hell or high water, Brad was going to go back to defense, and um, he didn't throw me to the wolves by any stretch of the means. I don't want it to sound like that, but he did. He said, hey, you've got the offense now. You've done it. I'm going to go back to defense. Go score. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's good that you have that autonomy to kind of make mistakes and, 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 and you know, learn, you know, by – you know, I can't remember the phrase, but it'll come to me. I'm, so, I'm sure at some point, but, you know, learn, learn by, by learning, so to speak, you know, by, by making mistakes and, and figuring out how to, 
how to fix the things you were doing. So that's, you know, that's good that you got that opportunity to do that. Oh, I'm a turn. I'm man. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I really feel like Southwestern was the place where my career took off. Right. Like, you know, um, and a lot, a lot of that is because of Brad Griffin and, and, you know, baptism by fire, I guess is what I call that's, it. That's what the phrase I was thinking of. So thank yeah, you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, trial by fire was what I was thinking of. Yeah. Right. And, um, because again, that autonomy, when you're sitting in a room and you're like, Hey, there's nobody coming to help you. Yeah. And you better hire the right guys. You better research the right stuff. And I was very fortunate. We hired two really good coaches. I hired Frank Hepler, who's um, he's coaching at uh, fourth size central in Georgia. Um, we hired him as our receivers coach. Um, his dad has won like 250 games in Georgia and Florida. Um, and then we hired Jared Barnett who played quarterback at Iowa state under Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get both those guys in and coach, I'm not lying for going into the 17th season. I knew I wanted to go fast and RPO and, and have some fun coaching and Barnett like brought his playbook, like from the Tom Herman playbook. And was like, Hey, here's some RPOs we did. Yeah. And, like, we just started drawing them up and renaming them. And I've still got like the yellow notepad was like, yeah highlights like okay we're gonna keep that we like that that's the best stuff though right there i love that stuff coach for two days or maybe three we spent 12 hours a day in the back room at southwestern college and like we ordered pizzas and we didn't leave except to go to the bathroom and we'd come right back and man from the formation calls to the motion calls to no idea was a bad idea and we developed this offense and it's nothing groundbreaking i mean we do what everybody else does but it is kind of neat to say we did it together. Right. Yeah. That's, and that's, and it's, it's your, your stamp on things, you know, your, 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 you know, your touch on things. So that's, that's what makes it awesome and special. So it's, it's, you know, you're again, same brain, same brain cells, you know, you're the things you're talking about doing are, are very much the things that I sit at, at my home, you know, when I'm not doing anything drawing on legal pads and, you know, drawing on the computer and, looking up things. So it's, it's, you know, we, we have a very similar train of thought in that, in that regard. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Um, Second question I've got for, and you and I talked about this a little bit before I started recording, but um, I think you, you know, you'll have quite a bit to say on this one. You went from obviously Southwestern college. Now you went, I don't want to say back, but you went to take a job at at a high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to me a little bit about that transition um, and then talk to me a little bit again. You, like, like I said, we spoke about this before. Talk to me a little bit about what you're enjoying more and, and if you'll ever go back to that college level. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. I love it. I, I really do. Um, I love the teaching part of it, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't. I get to teach psychology. I mean, I'm not teaching something that kids may find boring. Um, so I'll start with that. Cause I know I actually had this uh, discussion with another college coach and buddy of mine at an NAI school and he's thinking about making the jump. He said, I just don't want to teach. Well then right. don't, take, don't take jobs where you have crappy teaching fields. Right. Like you have the option, <laughs> you know, like, and that was always my thing is like much like yourself or anybody else, small college guys, you go recruit and it's, it's basically like a job interview right there. And guys will be like, Hey, if you want to, try it out. We got a spot. I mean, you know, right. And so, um, but I, I love it. It's when a little backstory, my wife and I, you know, it was, um, with some difficulties getting pregnant, it was tough. Um, 
you know, and, and not to get too personal, but it was just a difficult process. And eventually we got pregnant and uh, just a blessing from God. And it was awesome. And we were so fortunate that now you're looking at your salary. You know, I was the assistant head coach. I was the offense line coach, tight ends coach, offense coordinator, recruiting coordinator, blah, blah, blah. You're putting in all this time and you're you're making 40 grand. And at the time that was the most money I'd ever made coach. Right. Like, I'd never made, I, I thought when I got to 40, I was the richest coach in the world. <laughs> and that's the truth. Like, I was just like, Oh my God, I'll never have to, I mean, my next job will pay me 45. My next job will pay me 50, you know, right. like, and so, um, you know, I started looking really hard when she got pregnant and, uh, nothing really caught my attention or worked out. We knew we wanted to be back home, uh, in Louisiana and, um, or close to it. Um, we're, from right outside of Shreveport. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we were like, okay, well then when we had the kids, man, I'll tell you what, it's just all my desires just kind of went away. Like it, me climbing the ladder to get to division one, just kind of honestly, I mean, the first time I held my sons, I was just like, you know, as long as I'm making money coaching football, I'll be okay. Right. And so after the season, um, me and Brad parted ways, um, you know, he knew I was looking um, he needed to get a guy in there. So, you know, he's like, Hey, go look for a job. I was like, all right. So we kind of parted ways, uh, very amicably and, um, uh, through recruiting and everything, I came upon this one, um, had a connection. We love Lake Charles from recruiting and everything and, um, just made the jump and it has been the best thing I've ever done in my career. Um, right. you know, the first three months were God awful because, you're like installing stuff like you would in college, you know, and you're talking lingo and stuff like that. And, you know, they're 15 years old looking at each other going, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Like, you know, they, like, they don't know. And you've coached high school, you know I mean? Like you can get away running the same play out of the same formation, six plays in a row. Right. So I was probably being a little overcomplicated and, you know, trying to throw everything at them because I was fired up and attacking the job. But once I realized that they want to learn, they just don't know really what they're looking at. I've had more fun probably doing this than anything because right. it, does, it does mean a lot. I mean, it means a lot to your community. It means a lot to the people in the area. You know, high school football is important. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm my brother had made the jump a couple of years before me, and he was just telling me how much he enjoyed it. And, um, you know, honestly, Coach, I was burnt out. Sure. You just, like we've talked about, I know me and you have talked privately about it, uh, just the recruiting, you know, you're, you're at the office all day entertaining kids, you know, all day Saturday, um, you know, you may get Sunday off, but then you're back in it Monday and you may be on the road and, and um, I was just burnt out, just recruiting the JUCOs, recruiting, you know, Louisiana, I'd, I'd leave Kansas and come down here for a week or I'd go to Mississippi and recruit the Mac JC and, and um, I just wanted to be a dad. It was so hard for us to, to have kids that once we had them, I just wanted to be a dad. And right. um, I, I've had a blast, man. I enjoy everything about it. Um, I never say never. You know, I've got a lot of friends that are still coaching and, and they've been able to climb into some positions to hire people, whether it be a head coach or, you know, something like that. And uh, so I always field the phone calls and talk to my buddies, but, 
at this time, man, with the boys being so young, I don't, I don't have a lot of desire to make that jump anymore. Right. It's, you know, when it's not football season, coach, I don't have to go recruit. You know, right. I'm, I'm home at three o'clock. Yeah. And my kids get up from their nap at three. So I'm, there's days, coach, I'm walking in the door as my wife's going to wake one of them up and she's looking at me going, hey, you want to go get up Everett or Jackson? <laughs> right. Do something, get to work. Yeah, but I mean, it's so awesome because I get to walk in the door. Literally, I put down my backpack, put up my stuff, coach, and I go get to wake my son up from his nap. And right. From three o'clock to eight o'clock when we put him down, we get to hang out. Right. I'm not at the office. I'm not, you know, on the road in a hotel in Starkville, Mississippi. You know, like, um, so for me, it has been the, the biggest blessing that I've had because I was hesitant about it. And I'd had some opportunities and I just wasn't ready. And I really think a lot of it just for me personally was ego. Like I like to walk around saying I'm a college coach. Sure. And um, I never will forget. I, I know, you know, Nick Caduti, mm-hmm. me and him were talking one time and Nick's a, a very good friend of mine and love him to death. And he said, you can make as much as an impact on the high school kids as you can on the college kids. Sure. And I didn't, that didn't resonate with me. Like, it, I mean, I was like, really? I mean, cause you know, I'm getting invited to guys' weddings. You know, they're calling me, asking me advice, you know, calling me about their kids. And um, Nick really was the guy that kind of made me realize, Hey, this, we're going to be all right here. And right. once I've done it, I've had a blast. Right. I mean, that, and, and that's a hundred percent true. Like you're, I mean, cause you kind of alluded to it before you're, you know, some of those kids you coach at the high school level are still, you know, you still talk to every day. Um, and so you're still, obviously you've made an impact on those guys' lives and, and will continue to make an impact on their lives. And um, I think that's awesome. I, I know, I know when you and I spoke about this, about you getting out, you were super excited and looking forward to just being able to coach and, and, and not have to worry about all the other things. And, and obviously being, you know, being a father was, was super important to you. So I think it's, you know, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why guys get out of it, especially at the level that we're at, you know, at that smaller level um, where, you know, they can, they can, it's just, it's not, it's not as big of a business as, you know, like coaching at the university of Texas or something like that. So it's, it, you know, it's an easier, it's an easier choice to make and an easier transition to make. So, uh, you know, kudos to you for that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Cause if yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know if this is the greatest thing to say. I mean, I say it to my wife in private, but if I was at the university of Texas making 500 grand as the line coach, she, you know, we'd have somebody move in to help her with the kids. Sure. I mean, it's, yeah, everyone, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but right. making 40 and you're never home and you're, you know, you're like, right. Hey, okay. And I, <laughs> and I think you've got, I mean, you've got, you know, you and I, you've been around long enough and I've been around long enough in, in just coaching period. There's, there's a lot of coaches that follow that whole grind and I hate that word personality of like I got to be in the office from 5 a.m until midnight but there's a lot more coaches these days that are understanding that it's just a game you know even at the biggest level it's just a game like these guys need to be with their families and and they're they're doing a good job of being proactive about that and letting guys be family men and seeing their wives and seeing their children so it's you're kind of seeing it come around first full circle and and that's that's good thing for you know the up and coming coaches and, and the younger guys in the game and and you're gonna see you're still gonna see I think a lot of the big turnover but I, I don't know if you'll see as much um 
now with COVID, obviously, who knows, I could be talking out of both sides of my butt, but um, you know, it just, it just feels like there's a lot more guys that are understanding that it's, it is just a game and, and let's let these guys be family men for a while too. Oh yeah. There's no question. I mean, you know, I was talking to my buddy earlier today, he coaches up in Shreveport and um, you know, he said it, I, we're just talking about staff camaraderie and you know, Mm -hmm. how important it is. I said, listen, I will never go through a staff where I can't sit back, drink beer, put a dip in, talk ball and just enjoy each other's company. Like it's already stressful enough. Right. So if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I want to go home and see my kids or I won't, you mind if I cut out early and go see my, take my wife to dinner or something like I, I, I don't know how you fault a guy for doing that. Right. Because with huddle, I mean, do your stuff at home, go home. You know, like I, I'm with you hundred percent. I, th- I I do think the profession is trending towards that. And I think it's a good thing. I really oh, do. 100%. Yeah. I definitely think it's a good thing as well. So um, yeah, but all right, coach, last question I got for you. Sure. If you could put together an, a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen from guys you've coached guys, you maybe played ball with or guys you were just a fan of who would be on that five man offensive line. Oh my God. <laughs> Quentin Nelson from the okay. Colts. I just think everything about him exemplifies what the position is. Yeah. Um, you know, he rolls the hips. Um, his hands are in the breastplate. His elbows are tight. He's driving his feet. I mean, he's just a he's a beautiful football player, man. I love watching that guy. Right. Um I don't know if I want to name anybody that I've coached because I'm sure they're going to see this on Twitter and listen and uh, and be upset that you didn't name somebody. <laughs> yeah, but you I, didn't say them. But if I don't name Dustin, I mean, he run he won the Remington, so I kind of have to do that. Okay. Uh, so Dustin Rivera would be on it. He he won the Remington. Um, which is which is if for people that don't know, that means he was the the best center um, in your division that season. Yeah. And, you know, I've said this and I'll go on the air and say it. I think he's the greatest offensive lineman in NAI football history. Okay. Um, he, and I was with him for three years. He was a three-time all-conference, a two-time all-American and a Remington award winner. That's pretty damn good. I don't know how you get better than that. Right. So, and he only gave up one sack in three years. And I'm sure he can tell you everything about that play. <laughs> oh, I can. It was at Sterling College. He slid the wrong way in a protection and backer blitz <laughs> and smoked our quarterback. Yeah. I won't tell you what I said to him after it happened, but no, uh, yeah. <laughs> so those two would be on it. Um, you know, I'm kind of gonna go off script if you don't mind. I know we're good enough friends to where you're not gonna think I'm an idiot, but coaching wise is probably where I'd feel more comfortable doing that. Guys like Howard Mudd, Jim McNally. Sure. Um you know, I think back to like guys like Juan Castillo, who's with the Bears now. Harold Goodwin with the Buccaneers has been a huge help to me. Mm-hmm. Kevin Mawai, he's a Louisiana guy. Uh, you know, man, I, I don't know if I could do that. You put me on the spot with that one because now I, I, want to put, I want to put some actual thought into it. You start <laughs> well, thinking, you start I, I like to hear guys. I like to hear their their off the cuff ideas. So that's that's why I, I pull it out at the end. You know, Matt Jones at Tennessee Martin is a friend. He's always been very helpful. Um, 
Goodness gracious, man. Yeah, there's a lot out there, man. There been, is. Been very helpful. Because I think that's what's unique about this fraternity. And what I'm talking about is the offensive line fraternity. There's a lot of guys out there at every level that will give you everything they got. And they'll sit down with you and talk with you. And I don't know if you get that anywhere else, man. I really don't. I, right. I You know, I've said this before. There's not one day, Coach, that I wished I would have done something else with my life. Like just other than coaching O-line. I, I love everything about it. Right. You know, and as I'm answering that, I'm still sitting, you know, Nick Caduti is another one, a great, I mean, I've learned so much wide zone from him. Matt Drinkle at Army is a good friend. Um, he's a good O-line guy. Oh God. You know, Tyron Smith for the Cowboys when he's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> when he's healthy. Zach Martin for the Cowboys when he's healthy. Right, yeah. Um, Alan Fanica, probably is my favorite all-time center of all time. Okay. Not just because he's an LSU grad. I mean, that's that's a, that's kind of the reason why, though. That's part of it. It's probably 30%. The other 70s, he's a badass. He is. Uh, Jeff Saturday, love the way he played. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got your, you know, you got your guys like uh, – you know, his name just escaped me. Um, goodness, he played um, with the Ravens. I'm, I'm watching Ozzie Newsome say his name. Oh, Jonathan Ogden. Jonathan Ogden. Yeah. was a fantastic tackle. Yeah. Um, Munoz for the Bengals all those years with McNally. Oh, yeah. And then you got guys like, you know, that I know, like John Arnett at Summer Creek High School in Houston. Me and him talk. Um, and so – we would definitely we'd we'd have to have uh, a lot more time because I know you've got your Mount Rushmore. <laughs> you got to throw some at me now. I've given you a lot. Oh man, some of my so some of the you know what this is funny because I've been asked this before, and I, mine probably changes all the time just from my favorite yes. players. But um, I so I was I was a center for the majority of my career, so I always kind of gravitated towards that position. So you know Kevin Mawai is a guy that that I'd throw on there. Um, uh, Olin Krutz from the Bears is a guy I throw on there. Uh, yes. One of my probably all-time favorite football players and and somebody that a lot of a lot of people don't know and never really heard of until, you know, especially now with the the newer generation, but Mike Webster who who was a center for a long time for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was I loved everything about Mike Webster and and I will every now and again if I'm if I'm at my computer and taking a little break from work, I'll, I'll just pull up like a Mike Webster clip on YouTube and watch it. And um, so he's, those three are definitely up there and, and, you know, it's just, this position is so evolving and it's so, you know, you look at guys like Tyron Smith and, and Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson, and they're making the position um, fun. They're making kids like to play offensive line. They're making kids want to be offensive linemen again, where it, it, you know, you used to be able to, and, and you know this. You used to, you used to walk in the, in the halls and see a kid who was six five, two fifty, and playing basketball, and he'd say, "Oh, I want to be a tight end." Well, son, you're, yeah. you can make a lot of money playing left tackle. Let's let's focus on that. But those kids want to be left tackles now, and those kids want to be offensive linemen again. So it's the position is definitely. I always say it's in a renaissance right now, and and 
I think it's going to be a very long lasting one where offensive linemen are, are in and they're, they're popular again. And, and, you know, and the offensive line, the, I mean, you know, this, the offensive line community is so, is such a tight knit group. Uh, and you can reach out to anybody on any platform and 99.999% of the time, you're going to get a response within the hour, uh, if not sooner. And if you don't, you know, if you don't fall under that 99.999%, you're probably getting a response within five hours or so because they're busy. So it's, it's such, it's such a good community right now. And, and it's so, it's so there's so many good guys wanting to help everybody out that it's, it's, it's just, it's really special to be a part of it. There's, there's no question. And I mean, I go to the cool clinic and I mean, you'll be sitting next to like Tony wise and you know, he's telling you something like Tony wise is telling me how to block inside zone. Right. (laughs) And I sat next to Howard mud one year and I leaned over one time and I knew who he was. I mean, you know, if you're a true O-line guy, everybody knows who Howard mud is. And, I just wanted to see if he'd answer me. Not only did he answer me, he went into great detail to make sure I understood his answer. I mean, we're talking about a a first ballot hall of famer. Right. And, you know, we were at the end of our rope. My wife and I were at um, one point in our career, you know, financially, you just, we were making, I think like 30 grand and um, you know, she was working part time and, and everything. And, we were going to have to get out of, of coaching. I looked at some other careers. She said, well, what do you, where do you want to be in 10 years? I said, I'd like to be coaching division one or in the NFL, you know, assistant O-line or, you know, something. Sure. She said, so why don't you write those guys? And I'm thinking, well, okay. I mean, how much sense does that make? Like, they're not going to, you know, <laughs> I was like 23, 24, you know, at 25, somewhere in that ballpark. And um, so she kind of, kept on me like, Hey, did you write them? Did you, I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to prove a point. So I wrote Bill Callahan, uh, Harold Goodwin, Joe Philbin. And, um, you know, he's, he's with the, um, he's with the jets now. Um, he was with the Cowboys. Oh goodness. What's that guy's name? But anyway, so I wrote a couple of them. They all responded. Right. Two of them invited me out for training camp. And since then with coach Goodwin, with the Buccaneers, I go out and just, you know, learn, I don't get in the way I sit in the back, but I mean, this is a guy that's coaching in the NFL and I wanted to learn. It's like, all right, come on. You want to learn if you're willing to pay the plane ticket, come on. And I just don't think you get that with every other position. Right. I really don't. I mean, um, Marcus Johnson at, you know, he's at Missouri now when he was at Duke, we hit it off and stayed in touch and and we've exchanged ideas. We've given each other drills. And, and I mean, it's just, it's just an awesome fraternity, but you know, um, you, you are right. I think the, the Renaissance, I mean, the O-line masterminds that was in Dallas, mm-hmm. I mean, how many coaches attended that, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, I can speak from my experience doing high school. It, the guys that I have, like, you know, Cannon Trossclair, Zane Bryant, Caleb Harris, Jordan Kelly, Albert Allen, Dawson LeBron, you know, Tate Busby, Christian Fontenot, all these guys in high school, it was the coolest thing in the world to play offensive line. Like they, they didn't want to be D linemen. They didn't want to be tight ends. They were like, Hey, let's go dominate the line of scrimmage and kick somebody's ass. You know? Yeah. So it's just fun. Like, I mean, when you get guys like that, it's a lot of fun. 
Right. Oh, 100%. And they, and they, I mean, it's, and it's just so they make it fun for, for us. We make it fun for them and it's just keeps, you know, it just keeps going around in circles. And that's, you know, that, that's, I mean, truthfully, do you want to talk about it? That's how you, that's how you build, you know, I know it's a buzzword, but that's how you build a culture. That's how you build a program by, by having those guys that buy in and believe in and, you know, them telling the younger kids and the younger kids buying in and believing it. And then, you know, just going and going and going. So um, I think that that's awesome. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Well, all right, coach, I'm gonna get you out of here so you can go, uh, go, go do whatever it is you need to do. But uh, before we go, do me a favor, drop your uh, Twitter handle and any other information you want these guys to know before I let you out of here. Sure. Um, you know, my Twitter handle is at coach Kirby, uh, K I R B Y two five. So at coach Kirby two five, um, you know, if anybody wants to talk questions, you know, I'm an offensive line nut. I mean, so if you message me or, you know, I'll try to get back to you. I'll drop you my cell phone. We can talk, um, you know, but also I get with coach Schiffman, get with, you know, guys like Nick Caduti. He's on Twitter a lot, you know, guys that we've mentioned that it, it is a fraternity. So I would, I would encourage anybody, uh, that wants to be a better offensive line coach. You know, I know coach Dingus does the, uh, the hog football chat with you. You know, he's another good one. So it's just reach out to these guys, reach out to me. Cause I can promise you I've reached out to a lot of them as myself. And I mean, that's actually, I think how me and you met coach was yep. really through uh, Twitter. And I'm, you know, I was supposed to speak at that first one, that first clinic at Rhodes. Uh, wasn't that where it was? In yes. Memphis? Yep. In Memphis. Yeah. Yep. And so, I will say this before I go, I do, I, I do want to give a shout out to my wife. You know, I appreciate all she does staying home with twin boys. It's tough to let me coach football and, and be a big kid all day. So I come home from quote unquote work and uh, you know, I think I've had a crappy day and then I come in and the house is a mess and the kids are running around and they're screaming and I'm like, well, I didn't have it too bad of a day and she does it every day. So I do right. want to give a shout out to my wife. I know I take up a little bit of time there, but to me, I had to do it. Hey, that's a, 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 it's 100% allowed. You're fine. I'll, 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 absolutely. It's great. Um, well, coach, I appreciate you coming on talk with me, man. This was awesome. Um, good luck to you and, and whatever it is you, you, you know, you're doing and, and hopefully uh, we stay in touch and uh, let's talk some ball here sometime soon. Absolutely. We'll definitely talk soon. Yeah. You know All that. Right, See you, brother. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. Mm-hmm.